Hi, and welcome to our podcast. I'm your host, Howard Drukarsh. I've been a successful agent in Canada's largest market, Toronto, for over 30 years. And in the latter part of my career, I co-founded Canada's largest independent brokerage, Right at Home Realty. In 2020, I retired to start this podcast, and it's been a remarkable opportunity to meet interesting and highly successful guests to find out about their careers and get their insight into our business. Today's guest is James Strathy Warren. James Strathy Warren and I worked together many years ago at Johnston & Daniel, um, Division of Royal LePage. We actually shared an office uh, wall. He was on one side, I was on the other. Even back then, he was a highly successful agent, and today, equally so, or perhaps more so. Jim, as I like to refer to James, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. It's a delight to see you again. And as you said earlier, we, we neither one of us have changed. So it's always nice to hear that. We look the same. And you look better. <laughs> okay. So let's get right to the questions because this is, you know, this is a part of what makes it interesting for our viewers. Were there any entrepreneurs in your family before you got into the entrepreneurial business of real estate? Um, you know, I've been thinking about that. That's an interesting question. Um, I, you know, most of my family on the male side were professionals. My dad was an architect oh. and obviously he had to go out and get business. And uh, so I think that is somewhat entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. On my grandfather's side, he was in the financial services and uh, he was chairman of the Toronto Stock Exchange. And then his father, my great-grandfather, uh, dealt in mortgages. Uh, and he was quite successful in doing that. In fact, we used to spend our summers up in King City um, on a 600-acre farm with a lake, and we had everything. And my great-grandfather actually got it on a bad debt. Hmm. So they were city folk, and they went up there in 1949 and started clearing the way and found a lake. Wow. Um, and it actually has a name, which is quite nice. So we were very lucky to be able to have our summers there. So I attribute that to entrepreneurialism, because uh, he ha had he not done that, then we wouldn't have had the, uh, the farm. Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, architects are professionals, but they're competing with other architects to get the business, right? Absolutely. And uh, architects, and I hope no architects are listening to this, they're great uh, artistic people, design people, but they're not great businessmen. It's a different part of the brain, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Well, listen, it worked out nicely for your family. So, you know, that's that's good. Um and before you got into real estate, I, I know I, I have your bio, but I'll let you talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Well, that's interesting. Now back to the farm again. So I guess I was, uh, my first job was when I was about 16 and we all had to work on the farm or work on neighboring farms. So we had to take care of the cattle, uh, lift hay and straw off the fields in the heat of the summer, um, you know, shovel stalls uh, with manure and stuff like that. So it was an interesting upbringing, but I'm glad that I was able to do it. And, uh, you know, I guess after that, I finally made my way to the city for summer um, and probably worked in my father's office, you know, uh, printing stuff and doing things like that. Interesting. You know, knowing you, that would have been the last thing I thought I would have thought that that was your, uh, your, yeah. your history. Uh, you don't look like a farm boy. Let's put it that way. Well, if you remember back to the Partridge family, I probably looked like Danny Bonaduzzi. Uh, <laughs> okay. The red hair. Yeah. He wore jeans and literally you're taking the hay and the straw off the uh, field, putting it on the truck. It is so hot. Your mouth is dry. And, um, you know, 
you're going along as an assembly uh, line, et cetera, and you're lifting up hay bales and you're going, wait, stop. I think that one had a rabbit in it. Bring it back. Wow. It was going from the field into the hayloft and sometimes they'd have snakes in them and whatnot. And so you had to bring them back. So, Boy, interesting. I assume that's not something you aspire to again. Um, no, and it's interesting. You also went through at least one or two pair of jeans per week because you were using your knees to push the hay because uh-huh. you know you were putting it on the back of the truck and it would get higher up. So um, no. All right, so we we know that's not a part that you'll be returning to. Um, I'd like to own the farm, but not do that. I'd like to have a gentleman's farm. Yeah, best kind, best kind. Plus, there's good tax benefits, I believe, from those exactly. as well. So then leaving uh, the agricultural world, uh, what motivated you to get into uh, the real estate field? Well, um, again, that's kind of interesting. My dad, being a, a design architect, used to um, you know, uh, design houses for my grandfather's friends up in the country. So we would go out on the weekends and see the work in progress. He, he very much designed in the mid-century modern style, flat roofs, wood siding. Uh, you know, big glasses. He got away from the traditional aspect, you know, Georgian houses, that sort of thing. Um, so I always liked that. Uh, my father was quite bright. He got his master's in architecture at Yale. Uh, and I didn't quite follow in that uh, footstep. Um, Much to his chagrin? <laughs> no, I think he was okay with it. Yeah. Um, my mom was a, a designer, a decorator at the time. And so there was that artistic bent in the family. Huh. So, you know, we got to, dad would design the house and mom would, you know, uh, do the interiors, that sort of thing. And so I, I grew up in a household that was very mid-century modern uh, in a traditional house. You know, we lived in Lytton Park. Um, and I just remember that when we were going to sell our house on Alexander Boulevard, that they had all the real estate agents through. And I remember sitting at the dining room table and I was just fascinated with these agents coming through. And I guess I was probably 10 at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember going through all their business cards, um, you know, all the recognized firms at the time, uh, J&D, Bosley, A.E. LePage, uh, Martin and Meredith. And, you know, that's sort of where I thought it was kind of fun, you know, doing that. And I remember seeing my parents taking us out to see another house. And, you know, back then your parents would say to you, if you didn't like the house, well, then, you you know, you can stay in the other house. <laughs> so you don't have a vote here. Um, so. Uh, it was interesting going through that process because we did find another house, but as it turns out, it didn't work out and we landed up staying in the house that uh, we had for sale. So well, That reminds me of a story. I, when I was uh, active, you know, selling in the business, I was going through a house, um, you know, looking to, you know, be able to come back and give a price, right? Give a range, price yeah. range. And and there was a young kid, probably about 10, and he was in his room and the guy's parents were maybe downstairs. So I go and check out his room. And he, he said, uh, uh, how much just for my room? <laughs> I thought, I thought that should, was pretty good. Well, he should have turned his, his room into a condo within a house. <laughs> That's so. right. But I didn't give him a price so that we didn't uh, blow that thing. It would probably have been in Juicy Fruit or a chocolate bar or something. Yeah, that's true. Five dollars. Uh, so. but, you know, we could go into stories about real estate, but we're gonna, I'm going to stick with the questions because uh, – uh, I, what it does, we found, is you know people know you obviously at least twenty years in the business, and I think this sort of thing helps our guests let people know part of them that 
you know, they, they never really knew about the guest. And, and I think it's, it's fun for us to do. And I think for you, it gives you another outlet about your business, right? And about who you are. So that's why, that's why we do it this way. Um, one thing I remember back from the J&D days, uh, and clearly it hasn't changed, is you really specialized uh, at the high end in luxury properties. And, um, and how did you get into that? Because that's got to be a question you get asked all the time anyway. Um, I think that's an interesting question. Thank you. Um, again, you know, I was just very fortunate that I was brought up in that kind of environment. So I was exposed to it and I always liked it. And, uh, you know, real estate is predicated on, you know, who you know, as opposed to what you know, that what you know does come into it. But um, obviously, uh, I started real estate, selling real estate when I was 18. Wow. I like to say I started on my pony when I was three. Um, but you know, so obviously I had to somehow entice my parents, friends and their grandparents to even look at me because they might be selling, you know, their home and whatnot. And there was already established people in the business. Um, so, you know, I took a very keen interest on it and it was interesting. Nobody would hire me at 18. Mm -hmm. Um, and one person took a chance on me and that was Ann Wall and she opened up her own firm and she had been one of the top agents at Royal Page down by, you know, remember 10, 10, 11 Young Street, I think it is where the Royal Page office was by the fish market. Um, um, the five fees, the fees. Do you remember that? Uh, no, I'm, I'm... Anyway, she used to be there. And so she opened up her own firm and she took about a bunch of ladies uh, with her. And so she gave me a chance. Uh, and I learned an incredible amount from her, um, you know, and then stayed with her. She was in, in Rosedale quite a bit. So I learned about that, got my very first listing, oddly enough, last name is Warren, got it on Warren Road hmm. in Forest Hill. Interest rates were 18% and the house sold for half of what we started asking for it and took eight months. Wow. Um, and slow, we had to deal with it. Slow down on that one because people who are, who are, somewhat new to the business mm -hmm. um, or, or buyers and sellers who are faced with uh, this uh, highly competitive market trying to find a listing, you know, right. that they can buy. The fact that at some point in time, how long did it take? Eight months. And we also had to do a VTB. Oh, right. Right. And take back in order right. to do. Um, so what, what that would do for you, if you got the seller to take back, a mortgage, um, you would obviously get a higher sale price. So that's why they did it. And the mortgages were obviously at a very high interest rate, but not quite as high as what the banks or the street was offering. You know, it's interesting, you know, going back to my, uh, my time being active in the business as a salesperson, the things that people never hear about now are a form called price reduction. Right. <laughs> never hear about that. Vendor take back for sure. You know, for, you know what, how low can you get? Uh, but the, the thing is, the business always changes, even though it's, you know, yeah. heightened and hot and right like that. Things change in this business. Right. And, and the longer you're in it, the more you recognize and people new to the business think it'll, it'll go on forever the way right. it is. Uh, but it won't. But, yeah. I, but but on the point of luxury um, properties, how do you see the future of that? Because the prices are really uh, they're not slowing down. Right. No, so they're what, not. What's your and I think it's kind of interesting. I mean. I'm so glad I bought my house when I did. Mm -hmm. And I think now with the price of real estate, people are considering it as part of their assets. 
um, you know, you have your stock portfolio, uh, you may have other assets somewhere else, but you also have your residential real estate. And it's kind of interesting, you know, if you stop and think about it, how much your house is probably worth today. And you're, you're kind of like, wow, that's a lot of money. And probably, um, you don't have a mortgage on it. Uh, so, you know, you actually own that. And when you sell that, uh, if it is your principal residence, obviously you don't have to pay tax on it. Right. I remember seeing an article that said uh, most people earn more money on the appreciation of their home than they do in their work life. Right. Well, I don't know about you, but when I retire, I am considering my home as part of my RSP package. Well, I think, you know, I like you, I'm a, I started in the mid 80s. I can't I get my head around it now because I, you know, I still keep in touch with the business. But if same for you, if you look back when you started, what a house, any house in any market was like, and now. So it's interesting, Howard. I'll tell you something. I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, it, it answers your question about luxury real estate. I was a graduate of Christie's in London, England. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and that that was the year when uh, Impressionist Pictures were selling for a huge amount of money, like you know, fifty and sixty million dollars. Hmm. Um, and I remember coming back to Toronto and we finally, you know, and this was in 87, we finally saw some of the first houses selling for a million dollars, like in Forest Hill and in Rosedale. Hmm. Absolutely amazing to, to break that barrier and now look where they are. Um, I, it's interesting. One of the houses, uh, on Dunvegan, I was just noticing today, I think I sold it, uh, probably about eight years ago and we sold it in the think in the low threes and it's just transacted uh just over eight million dollars this week that's the kind of that's the kind of and that's tax-free right no that's the kind of information that that people i think drives people to getting into real estate now because they see what if you look back over and look average price is over a million so no matter what you own it's a million and and you know some of the guests i've had are you know people from other markets like new york city um, LA. And when I look at what they can get for 3 million there, and here you get a building lot, you know, like, like it's a very intense market. Um, so, yeah. so what do you think? I mean, if it's, if it's going up, do you think that same house can be 16 million? Like how do you, how far do you think this can go? Um, well, I think Canada is the best country in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the government is anticipating immigration was down for the last two years because of the pandemic. Right. And so, you know, I think the government's uh, targets are bringing in about 401,000 immigrants for the next 10 years. And if you think about it, Canada is a, is a big country, um, but there's only so many cities that you can go to in Canada where your kids can get education um, and you can get a job. So it's Montreal, Toronto, or Vancouver. There might be some other cities like Calgary. It's not like the U.S. where you have a choice of 50 cities. Mm-hmm. You know, I can go to Savannah, I can go to Chicago, I can go to San Francisco, I can go to New York. Um, you know, so I think it's just con- going to continue to push on the the prices, etc. The other thing that I think is interesting, it's my own personal opinion, my dad being an architect, and he did work down on Front Street, that what Toronto didn't do is ripple out over the last hundred years. It just kept tearing down from within and building up. Mm-hmm. And you need to have that urban sprawl. And that's what's happened in the U.S. I think a lot of people have moved to the suburbs. 
um, you know, it's interesting. There's certain parts of the city you always say to your clients, you know, if you do live here, you are going to be in your car all the time. If you live here, you're going to be able to have more walkability. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might be for an older family because that's probably going to cost more. Mm-hmm. No, that's, I think that's, I look at, I mean, I've, I've had clients that did what many people are doing now that, you know, they wanted more space. So they moved out, you know, out of the core to mm-hmm. get a house. Um, mm-hmm. At that point, it was Markham. And then about a year and a half later, they couldn't take the uh, uh, commute and they moved back to something smaller right. because the commute was the killer. So, yeah, right. it's about although now, you know, where people are working remotely, it, it, as you know, the market has gone up higher outside the city than right. inside because people want land, want space. Right. It's interesting. I think uh, surgeons and real estate agents, as far as I know, are the only ones that can't work remotely. <laughs> right. Right. Good point. Right. So, uh, so you me- you yeah. mentioned the pandemic. Um, how did yeah. that affect you in your business? Uh, although it's still going on, but the intensity uh, when it started and and yeah. how did it affect what you do? Well, it's interesting. I was um, I actually uh, went to London, England uh, on March the tenth, twenty twenty, and I lasted three days. I was told I had to come home because that was the possibility that the borders were going to oh, shut. Right. right. I had to self isolate myself for two weeks. And as soon as that two weeks was over, I was out the door. I had an incredible two years of sales, Hmm. Um, you know, and it surprised everybody because everybody thought for sure that, you know, the market was only going to go up 2.3% in value in 2020. And look what it did. Um, You know, everybody just decided, you know, saving money. Now's an opportunity. Money is cheap. Let's get out and, and, you know, let's find. I think I found that, you know, a lot of people wanted to get a bigger house because both the husband and the wife and the kids were at home. And so everybody needed a work area. Right. And and you can't afford that kind of home. Uh, Although, again, you know, keeping abreast of what goes on in the news, the latest thing is that condos are going to go up higher now because people can't afford houses. So that's that's the next change. I think, you know, it's interesting because if you look at that, condominiums suffered a little bit during the pandemic because of elevators and, people not wanting to go into that situation. One thing I did learn in the pandemic, if um, you are going to buy an apartment, it must have outdoor space. Hmm, interesting. Um, secondarily, parking, third, a locker, but it must, must, must have outdoor space. Otherwise, don't waste your time with it mm-hmm. uh, because people need that. Um, and I think, you know, it, it is interesting. I think, you know, alluding to your point, I think um, a lot of young people right now are going to be moving into condominiums in the European fashion because that's what they can afford. Right, right. Um, you know, Canadians as a, as a whole wanted to open up the front door, see the front staircase, look out the back and see the cattle. It's affordability <laughs> right now. Absolutely. And you know what? People will adapt to it because if that's the new reality that and you want to own, that's it's more like, you know, to your point, European cities. You know, how many people own homes? They're all living vertically. Right. Because right. that's, well, that's... And, I, and I think the issue there is getting back to the European mode is that Canadians live within 200 miles of the U.S. border. Mm-hmm. And so there's only so much real estate, um, you know, that we can. You know, and the problem with around the city is that everything is conservation. Our farm in King now is considered part of the Oak Ridges moraine. So it cannot be touched. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And it's half an hour away from the city. Yeah, that was a good deal that your grandfather got. <laughs> I think he did. Yeah. Right. 
So the other thing that's affecting our business is, is technology and, and technology tools that agents use. Since, uh, right. since our podcast is you know, viewed by a lot of agents, what, what tools do you find helpful in your business? Um, well, I'm very old school, but I love playing on Instagram. Okay. Um, we have a few Instagram accounts. I have my personal one. I have my, com- uh, well, my company, but my team one, it's SW3. Um, and, you know, we post pictures of our listings. We don't want to overwhelm people with a lot of real estate. So, you know, sometimes we put up pictures and we always try to put up a fun song from, say, the 1980s British pop that everybody can relate to, mm-hmm. regardless of their age. Um, you know, I think, um, yeah, I think that's probably the most that we do. We do a lot of print media, that sort of thing. I think when it comes down to real estate, though, uh, real estate is predicated on one thing, unlike the stock market, which is predicated on, if you will, greed. Real estate runs around emotion. I have to live here. I can't, if I don't like it, I can't just turn around and sell it. Right. Um, I have to wait, um, you know. And so you have to come, you know, I have people who often say, well, we'll just put in an offer and I'm insistent that you must come and see it because the pictures, you know, it may not be bigger, bigger than you think, or it may be smaller or you didn't realize the ceiling height, uh, that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, in pre-construction is another story, but because it's, you know, somewhat uh, um, homogeneous, let's say, but in real estate, you know, I remember again, going back to my selling days when you're taking out buyers, and just to your point, you know, it could be on paper a perfect fit, but it has to, quote, unquote, speak to me. Exactly. Right? Like the, the buyer has to feel there's something here that tells me this fits. And so, yeah, right. you're right. That'll always be, be a part of it. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, no, I always realize when sometimes I love working with first time buyers because they they just, you know, when you're working with empty nesters or what have you, they call you in and they just want you to get the job done. Um, they're not interested in the finite details, just, you know, when's the house going on the market? What's the price? What's the schedule? Boom, boom, boom. First time buyers, I love them because they get excited, you know, and I know when they like something, they're touching you. <laughs> you know? And right. they, you can see it in their eyes and, right. you know, it's exciting. It is. And, you know, this is something else that I found uh, um, from being an agent for, for many years. First time, probably as much as any, is it's so emotional and you're helping them through one of the most difficult decisions in most people's lives. The end result of all that is you become friends, mm-hmm. right? And I'm sure you're no different. That These people that have been clients, they, they've trusted you, you've helped them. It's a side benefit of, of the business. You, you develop some really nice friendships. Absolutely. And I mean, I always enjoy that. I had one client, um, I think let's go back... 20 years and I think it was a difficult market the prices were continuing to fall and you just couldn't figure out where was the benchmark for that price anyway I landed up showing those people 227 houses Wow! Um, they stayed with me um, I really appreciate that in the meantime they decided I guess they were gonna have another baby and they named it Warren <laughs> really <laughs> Well, I remember this is from a training course about working with buyers. The trainer said, when you're working with a buyer, you stay with them until they buy or die. <laughs> Apparently, so, you stayed with them until they had a baby. So well, a little different. As I tell my teammates, you just keep calling people until they say no, because sometimes people don't really know what they want. Right. And right. You know, 
sometimes you say, look, let's just go and have a little looky loo. Right. Um, it's so true. And, and new people don't, don't, new people don't understand that when you're experienced, you realize, of course, price is critical, but then, you know, I remember showing someone a property, McPherson, I think, absolutely had to have a garage, found the place he loved, no garage. Right. It happens all the time. What, what about this? And I didn't bring this up earlier, but I was just thinking about uh, rentals. Uh, have you done high-end rentals? I have. And what's the price range in high-end these days? Um, I would say we're, we're, we're creeping up there. I mean, if you're looking for an executive rental, you're probably looking at a minimum $10,000 a month plus utilities. Basically, you're, you're taking over the entire house, doing gardening, snow removal yourself. Um, that sort of thing. But I think, you know, we can creep up as far as $20,000. There might be some circumstances where some houses, properties are asking more than that. But, you know, the interesting thing is, is that um, my experience has been when you do have executive uh, executives come to Toronto as a family, they're given so much money by their company. And anything in addition to that, they're going to have to subsidize. So sometimes when they, they hit Toronto, they're saying to you, we've got $12,000 to spend what have you got? So the one thing that is so important about rentals, whether it's less expensive or it's luxury, uh, as opposed to a sale, you always have to remember this. A rental is an ongoing relationship. And you want to make sure that you've got the right person in the house, that you've got all your, your, your T's crossed and your I's dotted, because it doesn't end after three months like a sale does. It goes on for a year or two. And, uh, you know, sometimes it can turn out to be a bit problematic, mm. but you want it to be positive because that's, you know, you're working for the client on both sides as well. Yeah. Rental, rentals and, and anybody who's done rentals and most people don't do the $10,000 one. They're, they're typically as much or more work than a sale, which, which I, I tend to agree with you there because now we have to fill out the residential tenancies uh, form and you have to do the credit checks and you have to get, you know, everything in line and, you know, as I said, it's an ongoing relationship and you need to make sure that, you know, you've crossed your T's and dotted your I's there because otherwise, you know, I think the Residential Tenancies Act is somewhat skewed towards the tenant now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and so, yeah, it is. I mean, you know, most lawyers will say that as well. Mm -hmm. um, moving on to back to you personally. Um, what, what's been your biggest success in real estate? Um, my biggest success. And it, it doesn't have to be a transaction. It's just something no, that you feel. Is, I, you know what it is. And I think this is so important to anybody, whether they're coming into real estate or whether they've been in real estate. It's one thing, finding life balanced. Oh, yes. Many, many times I hear you guys are so lucky because you can pick your own hours. And I'm like, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> yeah, the, the hours are 24-7. I remember I, I skied at Craig Latham Collingwood uh, and way, way back and coming down, uh, getting a call uh, saying we have to go and look at that house uh, again, second time. And so coming down the 400, you know, the ramp onto the 400, yes. uh, turning there and I got a call from them saying we've changed our mind. <laughs> and like, um, well, I wasn't going to go back up to Collingwood because chances are I'd hit a snowstorm. So. You know, I stayed home Saturday night in Toronto. These are great. These are great stories for people who are trying to understand real estate. Um, um, you know, um, it, it, 
you know, and you do that. There are times where you're hosting a dinner party where you have to say to your your guests, your family, chicken's in the oven. It's ready in 20 minutes. I've done the gravy, set the table, the wine's in the fridge. Bye-bye. I've got to go out and show a house. But you know what? That's kind of, it's exciting. You know, there's adrenaline there. Right. And, right. you know, it's just, that's what makes us go and keeps us going. And, and it's your business. Essentially, it's exciting because you're, 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 you're working for, for James Strathy Warren. That's the company, right? So it's exciting. Yeah. Um, but, but it does happen. The other thing I found was I remember most people would say, um, oh, you're a real estate agent. You know, you must be always working. And for a long time until I think cell phones became smartphones, that was correct. But right. then once that happened, everybody's working like a real estate agent. Your clients are working 24-7. Have to be, people have to be available all the time. So we're, we're, we're no different now than anybody working anywhere. They're, they're expected to be available all the time. Right. Well, I'll tell you something. When I first started out in real estate, um, you know, uh, if I was showing houses uh, in Young and Summer Hill or Rosedale, you would make appointments for four properties. Uh, you'd have to go to those individual offices, pick up keys, mm -hmm. um, try to keep the keys all organized in your car. Hopefully your client will be on time. Hopefully this is the right keys I'm about to open up the door because they weren't tagged and you know show the property move on to the next one and know that you have to have that first key back within an hour because somebody else wants to show it right. and you know talk about having a tony home perm you start off the day with straight hair and by the end of the day <laughs> it was out <laughs> you, know, you know it's interesting i i uh, i enjoy talking to people like yourself that go back in time to the business because it was for lack of a better word it was a really colorful business in those days it, it was, you know, and, and I was speaking to an agent a couple of months ago, and you'll probably remember this. And we had a lot of fun. You used to write your deals on the front of a car at 1030 at night, right. um, you know, and we had the red seals. And do you remember those? <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, you'd red seal everything. And then, you know, hopefully the deal got done and you'd go home exhausted, get into bed. And the next morning you'd wake up and you're like, I feel something on my face and you're like, what is that? <laughs> oh, there's that red seal. I was wondering where. <laughs> red, red seals plus, plus the, the offers were first written by hand. Then they were typed. It also. Right. Uh, and whiteout was our friend. Right. Uh, carbon paper everywhere. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So here, uh, and I know I, I try to keep it to the half hour cause I know you're busy. So I, the question I have next is what's been your biggest challenge in, in your career and what did you learn from it? What is that? I, I don't know. Um, again, it's probably drawing the lines and, and finding life balance because I mean, real estate is, it's like a lover. It's, it's very intoxicating. It can pull you in all the time. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you have to, I often say to people coming into real estate, real estate, you have to be a dog groomer, a bed maker. You have to be a baby holder. You have to pick up uh, muffins for clients. You have to, rally the troops and say it's going to work out we're going to find another house and you know sometimes you get into your car and you're just absolutely exhausted mm -hmm. that you have to do it and you have to find that energy uh to you know do all those things that's what i love about it it's very multifaceted um you know and you if you're dealing with first-time buyers and they lose a house and somebody's crying you're like oh my god this is breaking my heart but you have to Remind them, we will find another house. It will work out. Call them the next day and say, we're going to find that house. And usually within two weeks, 
you find that house and they've totally forgotten that first house. Exactly right. And it's so hard for people who are so emotional on the first one to realize that there is another one out there. Right. And, but, you know, another challenge, for example, you know, I remember I was showing a Sammy and Lee site to friends of mine's children and it was a multiple offer situation. And the parents came and, uh, you know, the father said, I'm not having my kids live in a Sammy. And I said, mm -hmm. I said, can you come across the street for a moment? So we walked across the street, just the two of them and uh, and myself. And I said to them, you know what, this is what they can afford. And he said, well, I'll, I don't know about that. And I said, do you want grandchildren? And he said, yes. And I said, well, then be quiet, sign the check. <laughs> <laughs> Good strategy. <laughs> okay. Um, now, I, you're really successful. So um, you. to accomplish the success, do you have a support team? And if you do, what do they do for you? Um, I don't have an assistant right now. Um, you know, I, we're pretty good on our own in the sense I haven't, I, I've just formed SW3. Mm -hmm. uh, what does SW3 stand for, by the way? Thank you. So, you know, my name, James Strathy Warren. Right. Um, so, um, SW Strathy Warren, three is my favorite number, but also three is really important because when you're staging and doing houses, you always do things in odd numbers. Hmm. Um, .ca, we're comfortable with Canada, but the interesting thing about SW, my favorite place to be in the world is London, England and Chelsea, nice. and that is SW3, and it's luxury real estate. People recognize that. Smart. And the other thing is, it, it means something for everybody. SW, the two most desired exposures in real estate are South and West. Mm -hmm. So. You know, when you're out socially, you know, real estate agents, I think, do make a mistake by saying, I'm James Strathy Warren. Well, who's going to remember that? Mm -hmm. So if you say to somebody quite quickly, SW, they're going to remember it. It's funny. I thought about London. when, when That's why I asked, because that, that's what struck me. So, so here we go. And we're about at the half hour. And I, I promise my guests I try to keep it to a half hour. This will definitely be the one with it. I'm sure you're, you're um, asked more, more than not with new people, experienced people, agents everywhere. What would you say to someone who wants to get into luxury sales as you do? Right. And I'm glad you asked that question. Absolutely, Howard. What I love doing is mentoring to new agents and helping other agents as well. I'm at the point in my career right now where, yeah, it's great selling real estate. It's great listing, but I also like to see other people's successes and I want people to be successful. So going back to, you know, when I was quite young, um, always have money in the bank because that's not going to influence your decision and, and pushing somebody and doing, you know, something that you may regret later on. The other thing is get involved in your community because we're paid a lot of money. And you should be giving back. I, you know, when I first came into real estate, I joined the Rosedale Conservative Party. I went out and uh, canvassed uh, and got to see in people's houses as they open up the door. Um, you know, got to see who lived in the houses. They went on my mailing list. Um, you know, I was on the Duke of Edinburgh's awards program as well. Um, got involved in my sports club on the membership. I'm on the Art and Archive Committee right now. And it was interesting. I was sitting there one day and the person next to me who's on the committee said to me, can you give me your business card? I'm looking for a house in Rosedale and I know you work there for $6 million. I'm like, wow. And it was funny. There was the card on the back of my iPhone. I didn't have any with me. So I'm under the table going, <laughs> trying to get the, the card out. You should have I just given them the iPhone. 
yeah, there you go. You're the entrepreneur. That's well done. Oh, thanks. Um, anyway, but I think it's so important. And what it also allowed me to do, because I was, I'm not sure if you were at J&D at the time, but um, what it allowed me to do, I did very well in real estate. So I was able to take off time during the summer and I went and became a volunteer at Camp Uchigayas. Yeah, I saw that on your bio. Yeah, And that was really important for me because it made me stop and realize what's important in, in life. And, you know, sometimes if you lose a deal in real estate, it, you know what, this is not a health situation. You're going to make it up. It'll work out. And I remember doing deals while I was at Uch. They had a payphone, luckily. And I was able, I remember I sold a house from up there and, kept everybody calm but you know i think it's important and people your clients like to see that you're doing that mm -hmm. that you know um you're sending money off to one of their charities as a birthday present or you know uh, last year <clears throat> i sold a house and the people are fabulously wealthy and i thought what am i going to do what can i do mm -hmm. um, i can't send them flowers can't take them out for dinner i you know, got Uchigayas to send them a personalized letter and said, you know, on behalf of James Warren, he is sending a child to camp this summer, you know, on your behalf. Nice. And I think that's just, so, you know, it makes them feel good. I think, you know, as, as advice to new people or, or even experienced people, it, you know, quite often that is a challenge. What, what do we get our, what do we buy our, our clients that's a reasonable guess, you know, gift? Mm -hmm. um, and I think th this is such a good good advice is donating to their favorite charity i think that's the best gift you can give anybody they don't need flowers they don't need a meal out doesn't matter who they are um mm -hmm. it shows that you're uh, you're real you know uh, to use the language of your people a real mensch right so. <laughs> no I, I like that so there's two other things if you don't mind i'd like to say about absolutely coming in first of all you have to treat this like a business you have to have money in your bank account you have to spend money to make money and i say this all the time rather than keep the money in your bank bank account and pay it to the government in tax spend it on yourself mm -hmm. spend it on your business and you know when i say to everybody treat it like a burner system these per people in the front need immediate attention these people on the top they get called maybe once a week every two weeks they get sent something these people on my mailing list, you know, uh, I keep in touch with them on sales on their street. And these people I know I'm going to be dealing with in about a year. So then, you know, Hanukkah, Christmas, I drop something off at their house. I, I think that's so important that you do that. The other thing that I think is so important that a lot of people don't do and they make a mistake. One of the things that I always did, and I'll still do it, um, is that if I'm offered a listing opportunity or a buyer and it's in an area that I'm not familiar with. And I did this as a, a new agent. Bring in somebody else who's an expert. Mm -hmm. Pay them 50%. Learn from them. Land the account. Make some money. Because if you don't do that and you try to do it yourself, you may not have anything. And something is better than nothing. No, perfect advice. And that's the most important thing. You know, uh, and you know what? The, the interesting thing is I love, you know, real estate is a very lonely business. You can't, you know, um, you know, you don't really have people coming up and saying, hey, you did a great job. Um, you know, you have to look to yourself for that. But you know what? You learn from other people. And I love being in a partnership because it's just, you know, you can't 
always be on one day and you can't always be there and the other person can do it for you. It's great. If you, it's like a marriage, you find the right partner. It's a, it's a great situation. Right. And I'm sure you found this with working with, uh, with Arthur is that, you know what, you have the good guy, the bad guy, and you know what, you tell them the bad news today <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or that, you tell them the good news or, or celebrate the wins together. That's the other exactly. thing that's really good. But that's the most important thing when you're coming into real estate as a new agent, uh, Ask for help because you know what? A lot of people will help you and they don't necessarily have their hand out. But if you want to engage them, pay them 50% because you're going to get, you just be a sponge and you're going to learn so much from them. Right. And that's why, you know, I have my team and I love mentoring to them and saying to them, you did a great job, even if it didn't work out. And I would have done this differently. I go out in their showings with their clients and I try not to get them too involved. And I say afterwards, okay, for follow-up, this is what you need to do. Yeah, it's great. It's really good. Jim, yeah. this has been, um, I mean, we never talked at the office. This is the funny thing. We were like, uh, whatever the width of a wall is, six inches apart. But and you, I, I apologize. Um, you know what? It's, I guess, you know, uh, back then, I was just so incredibly busy. Like there were times where I was just like, my head was spinning and, you know, I'm constantly trying to, uh, I'm a Libra, I'm a middle child, I'm left-handed, I'm a redhead. So there's a lot of issues there. Uh, I'm trying to please everybody. Yeah. And, you know, I was very, very lucky. Um, you know, I just chased after everything and I loved the high of the real estate and the money is great. Um, but it's also, um, you know, the chase of putting a strategy together. Um, you know, I remember twice in Rosedale, uh, two houses that I listed. One, um, they had renovated the house, the house themselves, um, and they were going to sell it. And I saw it in the Globe and Mail. And so I called them and I said, can I come over? And I knocked on the door and, and then I went and they took me around the house. And, you know, a, another agent walked in. I guess they wanted to see the house. So I hid behind the door in the library so they didn't see me. And I landed up listing the house and obviously getting it sold. Um, you know, a, a high-end rental came up in the paper. The client was out of the city. I dealt with her daughter. Her daughter really didn't want to deal with it. So she told me to speak to her mom. I landed up renting that house uh, probably seven times. And I eventually sold it. And the point is, is that, you know, a rental turns into a sale eventually, or a rental also provides you with income. You know, if you can get a rental for $2,000 a month or $5,000, you know, a month, and you have a couple of those over the course of a year, it's nice. Mm -hmm. No, I think... don't ever decline them. Listen, I, we could go on forever because one of the things about you, and it's so clear in the podcast, you love doing real estate. This is not a stretch. And, and I love it. And you know what? Don't take yourself too seriously. Right. Um, you know, I probably did when I was um, beginning, and I apologize to everybody if I did anything. <laughs> okay. You're just so freaked out that you're just, you're so busy and you just want to please everybody. You have to be here and you have to be here and you have to disappoint somebody. But, um, you know, I think the most important thing is you have to be authentic. Absolutely um, right. And people appreciate that when you can be honest with it. And, and you know what? I saw the most marvelous podcast the other day. And the lady said, and I'm doing this now, 
get the difficult things out of the way first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have to call somebody and say, I'm sorry, you didn't get the house, do it in the morning instead of pacing back and forth and doing it at three o'clock in the afternoon because it's going to take away from everything else that needs to get done. And it's not fair to you and it's not fair to them. So just get on with it. And on that note, <laughs> on that All note right. ple- Jim, real pleasure. You know, it's as I said, we, we know each other better after this podcast than we ever did when we worked together. So a real delight, uh, continued yeah. success, which I know you'll have. And maybe we'll get you back again sometime. Yeah, no, I'd love to do that. And as I said, I love talking about real estate. And thank you so much for the opportunity. It's nice seeing you again. A pleasure. And- and, and thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jim. We'll, we'll stay in touch. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, we'd like to thank Jim Warren, and we'd like to thank you for joining us today. And if you enjoyed our podcast, please like, comment, and subscribe on your favorite podcast network or on our YouTube channel. And to reach us, you can reach us by email at info at rewithhd.com or on our website, rewithhd.com. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time.